Welcome to the One in One podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget Bay. My guest today is Caleb Kruger, the head strength and conditioning coach for the University of North Carolina women's basketball team. Prior to UNC, Caleb worked in strength and conditioning for both the University of Kansas's men's basketball team and their women's basketball team. Caleb played basketball and ran track and field at Ottawa University from 2012 to 2016. Caleb, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I'm excited to have you, Caleb. And last week, you spoke at the High Performance Basketball Symposium in Orlando. What was that experience like? Oh, man, it was it was absolutely surreal. Um, that was really my first big speaking engagement. Um, so it was really cool to be up and speak in front of, um, you know, a lot of my mentors that kind of helped bring me up in the field. And to be able to go out and speak in front of them was just absolutely incredible. And it gave you the experience to now speak with me. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Now, is that a yearly thing? Yes, every year. Oh, amazing. So had you been before, but this was your first time actually speaking at it? Um, so I actually never been to it in person because of COVID. Um, oh, so the last two years they did it virtually. So I attended both of those and that's how I kind of got to know the um, director um, of the, of the symposium. And that's kind of how we connected and yeah, it just kind of fell into my lap as an opportunity and I try to take full advantage of it. That's very cool. So, Caleb, yeah. let's go way back now to the beginning. You grew up in Wakefield, Kansas. Do you have any siblings? I do. Um, I have a older sister and a younger brother. Nice, nice. Now, were they athletes as well? Um, yeah. So, my older sister was a cheerleader in college, and then my younger brother is a thrower um, in college for the track team. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. So now growing mm-hmm. up in Kansas, does that mean that you were a big Jayhawks fan? You know, I, I was, but growing up, my parents were actually born and raised in Wisconsin. So I was actually raised a Badger fan. Oh, wow. Um, and then, yeah, once we, so my dad was in the Army for 22 years, and uh, we moved around a lot growing up when I was little. And then once I hit about age 10 is kind of when we ended up in Kansas, and then my dad retired. Um, so we just kind of spent most of my young adulthood in Kansas and yeah, I slowly became a Jayhawk fan. And um, like you mentioned, I ended up working there and doing my master's there. And it was pretty awesome to go somewhere where like, you know, you always follow the sports and basketball and all that and be able to work with those teams was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely get to that. Do you have any, are you yeah. still rooting for the Badgers? Yeah, I try to. Yeah. At this point, you know, you get so involved with so many different athletic teams. It's like you're trying to root for everybody at some point. That's true. That's true. That's awesome. So now you played basketball and you ran track and field in college. We'll talk about how you did both. That's insane to me. But um, how did you get into those sports? Yeah, so um, when I was in high school, uh, really it wasn't until maybe my sophomore year of high school where I really started to like really buy into sports. Um, I was always kind of like the shorter, like slightly chubbier kid, um, was never really good. And then I kind of hit some growth spurts around that time. And just really fell in love with just like activity in general. Um, so every year I just added a different sport to my, uh, to my docket. So my freshman year, I only played basketball and then I added uh, track and field the next year. And then I added football the next year. And then I added cross country the next year. And I just was always looking to do more and more. 
Wow. Now, does that mean you played four sports at one time, or did you switch off football and cross country? Um, no. So actually, my my senior year, I dual sported cross country and football at the same time. So wow. um, we would do. So basically, I would have two a days every day for the entire fall. Um, so we would do like our six a.m. runs for cross country, and then we would football practice in the afternoon. Oh, okay. Now. And I guess that works out. I'm assuming then you played football on Friday nights and then there weren't Friday mm-hmm. track meet or uh, cross country meets. No. So we would do our cross country meets on Thursdays. So that would be the only day I would miss football practice. And then okay. we would just go suit up and play our games on Fridays. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Good for you. It's a lot of work yeah, though, was... getting up early, going to one <laughs> practice, going to school, then going to another practice. Wow. Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely an experience and, um, you know, I think I learned a lot from it and it's definitely two conflicting sports. Like it it takes a lot of different types of energy system development. And, um, when I look back on it now, I'm like, I think it's crazy that I was able to do that and do it at a relatively high level. I mean, I wasn't super good. I was pretty below average in my opinion, but, um, it was, you know, I went to a, the, my high school was really small. Um, we only had 27 kids in my graduating class. Wow, um, that's a small school. Yeah. So How did you guys field the football have, team? Uh, so we played eight man football. Wow. So yeah, and if, if anyone hasn't seen eight man football, I highly recommend trying to find it, whether it's close <laughs> to where you're at or just watching it online. Um, it's very interesting. It's played on a 80 yard field instead of a 100 yard field. And it's very fast compared to regular 11-man football. Oh, I bet. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I have never heard of that. So I'm assuming then the entire league was eight-man. Yes. Yep. Ah, okay. And what position were you on the football field? Um, on offense, I played tight end, which also doubled as an offensive lineman because we only had eight players. <laughs> um, and then on defense, I played defensive end. Wow. Busy guy. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. Wakefield High School that you were at. So how was your basketball career there? Because you're going to play that in college. Yeah, so, um, you know, same thing with basketball. Like, it was really not until late in my sophomore year where I really started to, like, grow into my own as a player and as an athlete. And it was about halfway into my junior year where I finally uh, began to start for our varsity team. And then I really never looked back after that. Um you know, I just, I, I think for me, I was never the best athlete and, but my approach was always, that I was going to be the hardest worker. So um, no matter who, who was out there, I was always competing with my teammates just to be harder worker than they were. Um, and then to push them to be better as well. And that's kind of where I made my, kind of where I, where I made my money, so to say, was just outworking everybody and doing all the extra things. Um, Cause again, I was, <laughs> I was not anywhere near the best athlete. <laughs> I love that attitude though. That's great. Yeah. And really, I mean, it, it works with your, your profession right now, right? Because you're teaching these kids how to work hard and get better. So you have that mindset. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, I, and it's also very interesting with athletes at this level, just um, getting to know kind of what their drive is and what their mindsets are, because everyone's a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. So like sometimes just sharing different perspectives on things can take people a little bit further. So I, I'm, I really pride myself in, not only the training side of things, but also just the relationship building side of things. So I think that's the part that's missed by a lot of people. Definitely. Now, as you're building up relationships with these kids, do you kind of coach kids differently? Cause you kind of know what makes them tick. 
yeah, I would say definitely. Um, you know, at first, as you get to know people, you know, we just kind of feel it out and continue to build that relationship. But, um, you know, now that I have, so I'm going into my third season now at UNC. And so I have a, a group of juniors who I've now been with for a little bit over two years. So like with that group, I know them really well that, you know, I can coach them in slightly different ways to get the most out of them. Um, and sometimes it's honestly just open and honest conversation too. Like, like if I'm talking to an athlete, you know, how best can I coach you? And we just talk through it. And, you know, that holds both, both parties accountable to what we're trying to get to. Um, so it's, it's been a really rewarding experience from that standpoint. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I guess when you, you know kids for three years now, you do know sort of how to coach them. And for the newer kids, right, the freshmen coming in, I'm sure you kind of learn, you know, oh, maybe I can be a little bit tougher on this, this person. They can take it, but, you know, maybe you have to go easier on one person. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just finding a way to, like, make it where everyone has a growth mindset in some form or fashion. Yeah. Um and then we're always pushing everyone forward. It's just the way that we're communicating with them might be a little bit different. So um, I wouldn't say like I go easy on everybody, but we just find different ways to go hard. Yeah, I yeah, and I didn't mean it. it. Yeah, I didn't mean it like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. No, I got you. <laughs> Now, then for track and field, you are, you're going to go on to play that in college or run in college. So what events were you doing in high school? And did you do the same events in college? Oh, that's a great question. So I had quite the experience for track and field in college. Um, so when I was in high school, I did middle distance. So I basically ran the 400 and the 800. And then I also threw discus. Mm. Um, once I got to college, my head coach in college, my freshman year, asked me if I wanted to try out the 400 hurdles, which again, I was not the most athletic person. Um, I just like to think that I just worked my butt off. Um, so trying 400 hurdles, I was totally up for it and I wanted to be really good at it. And man, was that the hardest race I've ever ran in my life? Um, it was, it was quite the experience. Um, uh, I'm glad I did it. I think it opened my eyes to maybe some deficiencies I had as an athlete that I needed to work on. So I did that my freshman year along with discus. And then uh, my sophomore and junior years, I kind of went back to doing the 400, 800 like I did in college or in high school. I'm sorry. Okay. So no disc in, uh, in college? Um, just my freshman year. Okay. Um, yeah, that was another one where I just really wanted to focus on the, the running. Um, be- between doing basketball as well, it was just spreading me a little bit thin from a um, quality standpoint. I, me and my coaches just decided that, Hey, we're going to focus on the running and the basketball. We're not going to do the disc anymore. And I I think it really helped push those two other things forward. Okay. Nice. Yeah. The hurdles are so hard, you know, just watching a track and field (laughs) event, like they, the athletes make it look easy out there, but it is not. It is absolutely not. I give props to all the people that do it on a daily basis because it's, Mm -hmm. it is one of the hardest races. I, in my opinion, the hurdles and the steeplechase are the two hardest races in track and field. I would agree with that. How many times did yeah. you just eat it? Did you just hit a hurdle and not make it over? Um, I would say probably at least once a week for the first couple months. Um, and our our coach was, uh, she had been a hurdler when I was, uh, when she was in college. And um, she knew all the ways to push us and make us better. She was great. And uh, yeah, it was 
there was times where I was like, yeah, my legs aren't feeling this. I don't think I can get over this hurdle. And, uh, but we did it and you know, I got better as the year went on and it was, it was an awesome experience. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And Greg is growing up. I don't know. I don't think high school, but in middle school, we used to have to do hurdles, not even on the track and field team, just like in gym class. And they always made the last one really high. Only the best athletes could actually get over it. It was kind of a safety hazard, honestly, because everyone was falling over it. So since then, I was like, no, I can never. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were just setting you guys up. They just wanted to watch you guys fall, I guess. And of course, we were all jerks, right? So we see one kid fall and laugh and just the whole thing. Right. I've matured. <laughs> so, Caleb, you mentioned that you were a late bloomer in high school as far as sports go. So can you talk a bit about your recruiting process and how you landed at Ottawa University? Yeah, for sure. Um, when I was, so when I was a junior in high school, I, I think that was the moment I realized um, really after my junior year of basketball. So maybe in the spring of my junior year was when I realized I really wanted to keep doing this um, at the collegiate level. So for me, um, I actually wasn't recruited very much. Um, Again, I I was not the most athletic kid out there. I didn't have people coming into my school of a hundred kids looking for athletes. So for me, I actually started reaching out to schools to see if anyone was interested or, um, if I could garner any interest from schools. So I kind of took the initiative on that end. Um, and then pretty quickly in the process, Ottawa became the very apparent choice for me. Um, that was actually where my sister went to school. Oh, nice. So I was familiar with it. I was familiar with some of the coaches there and some of the faculty just from being around. And it was only a two hour drive from my parents. So I liked the idea of, you know, it's, I, I get to kind of move away and get away a little bit, but you know, if I ever needed to come home to see my parents and I could, um, and honestly, I just like, I just fell in love with the coaches, um, and the opportunity that was you know, presented to me. Um, so I wouldn't say it was like much of a process. Um, you know, I visited a couple other schools that were interested in bringing me on for basketball. Um, but you know, having the chance to really play for two sports that I love to do was, um, pretty awesome. So, and doing it at a place that I was familiar with and felt like a family atmosphere was one of my big driving factors. Definitely. Ottawa University, that is an NAIA school in Ottawa, Kansas, not Canada. Correct. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Now, <laughs> and you know, so with NAIA or with even like D2 or D3 schools, it is a bit easier to play to sports. However, it's still a lot of work and a lot of your time. So logistically, how did that work? Because I'm sure basketball season, you know, it ends around March and I'm sure track season starts around then. So I feel like there's some overlap there, right? Yes, definitely. This is um, this is kind of the start to my story on how I got into strength and conditioning. Um, so my freshman year, I let me let me backtrack a little bit. So my senior year of high school, when I did all four sports and I did cross country football on top of each other, and then went right into basketball with no break, and then went right into track and field with no break. I felt like an Iron Man. I felt like I could do anything. So going into my freshman year, I was, you know, we started basketball practice in like the beginning of September, mid-September, and then track would start at the end of September. So my mindset was I'm going to start when the team starts because I don't want to be left out and I want to show that I can do both. And um, so basically for me, my freshman year, it was almost complete overlap the whole time. So um, 
there would be days where I would just basketball practice. There would be days where I would do both. Um, uh, I remember vividly days where I would do our basketball practice at like 2 p.m. for a couple hours and then immediately drop everything and go out to the track and do a track workout at like 4. What I learned in my freshman year was that my body couldn't handle that level of intensity um, because it's just way more intense, especially on the court compared to high school. Um, And uh, the volume of running was way higher than what I was used to in high school as well. So, and then also like just being on your own and trying to figure out food and nutrition and hydration and all that was just all new to me. Um, So my freshman year, there was a lot of overlap. I would even go compete in some of the indoor meets during the basketball season. So there'd be days where I would pick up and leave and go with the team to Iowa to do an indoor meet and then come back and play a game at home the next day for the basketball team. Um, It was, again, it was, it was quite the experience. I learned a lot from it. I had a lot of just nagging chronic injuries like shin splints and my knees were always hurting and my hips were always hurting and, um, you know, we couldn't quite figure it out. And, you know, I think what I learned looking back on it now, I was definitely under fueling and overworking and, um, going into my sophomore year, I, you know, going into my sophomore year, I was considering dropping one of the sports just because how poorly it went. But again, my mindset was, you know, I want to be able to figure this out. I don't want to quit when I was at a low point. So, you know, I told myself, Hey, we're going to do this one more year little sporting and we're going to do this the right way. Um, so I really locked into the strength and conditioning side of things and the training side of things during the summer when I was home and really tried to get my body right. And I actually learned most of that stuff just online. You know, I, I was studying exercise science, but it was still pretty early in my journey. So a lot of it was just self-taught and um, came back my sophomore year. And um, instead of starting track and field in September actually held out and didn't start until almost December. And it made a huge difference. Um, I was able to kind of, you know, get my groove on the basketball court without overdoing it on the track. And I was actually had my best year competing on the track that year, just not doing some of the training on the front end. And I also had my, one of my best years playing basketball as well. So it was a really cool experience. Um, and that's kind of what led me into the strength conditioning route was, kind of that experience of, you know, having a low point in my athletic career and being able to find a way to make it a high point in the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's what led to what you're doing now. And yeah, the sophomore mm-hmm. year seems like it was a much healthier approach, um, but I kind of forgot like track in college is year round because you do have the indoor, you do have the spring and then you guys do have meets in the fall. So Wow. It was definitely one of those moments where, you know, coming off of a year like that, you really had to sit back and kind of, you know, just really reflect on it and and what I wanted to do moving forward. Um, But even my sophomore year, like, you know, I thought I handled it way better, but um, I still dealt with some of those, um, you know, under fueling issues that at the time I thought I was fine. But now as I reflect and I know more about strength conditioning and, um, know more about the college athlete in general, just from the way I work with them now, you know, I'm like, man, I was definitely under fueling. I wasn't preparing my body the way I should have. Um, and that's, and I use that, um, reference a lot when I, you know, work with our athletes now and, um, it kind of helps put things, put things in perspective for me. Yeah. Wow. 
So you went into college majoring in exercise science, but it really wasn't until you went through all that after freshman year that you decided to go the strength and conditioning route. Yeah, actually, it's actually funny. Um, my very first week of college, I was actually a business admin uh, major. And I very quickly changed just in my first <laughs> week. Um, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. Um, I need to make a switch. And yeah, I switched to exercise science because I knew I wanted to be in athletics in some form or fashion. Um, I think at first I kind of wanted to go the athletic training route. Um, but then, yeah, it was really around my the end of my freshman year, beginning of my sophomore year, where I really fell in love with the strength conditioning route of things and just training athletes and working with them in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and also hope to um, Ottawa kind of has a reputation as being like a strength coach university, um, which is really funny because it's very small. Um, but there's actually been some other strength coaches that have come out of there in the 90s and 2000s that have gone on to do really cool things. So I was able to connect with a couple of those people and um, they kind of helped get me started and put me in the right direction of things I should be doing as an undergraduate student. And um, that really helped me out too and kind of showed me that that might be the right route for me. Oh, that's awesome. And so smart of you to, you know, create connections at still being an undergrad. That's, that's smart. Not everyone does that. Yeah. I, I even look back on it now and I wish I would have done it more. Um, you know, my little brother is currently um, interning at UNC uh, with the Olympic staff and he's only, he just finished up his sophomore year. So, um, you know, I've always challenged him to like find ways to get involved and network and meet people um, because that's something he's interested in doing as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. It's good that he has an older brother that has gone through that and knows what to do. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He gets to learn from my mistake. (laughs) Oh, man. So now, okay, sophomore year, your approach worked. Did you use that same approach for your junior and senior years? Yeah, so, um, you know, actually going into my junior year, uh, I was doing a little bit more campus-wide. So I was, I, was a, um, I was a resident assistant. I was working with student activities. I was doing some other stuff that really interests me. And um, I actually made the really hard decision going into my junior year to stop playing basketball and just do track and field. Um, track and field was my scholarship sport. So um, basketball was awesome. I loved my coaches. Um, after my sophomore year, my head coach retired. So it just seemed like the right time to kind of step away. Um, so uh, my junior year, I only did track and field. And uh, I also spent a little bit of time working with the basketball team and just helping them out in any area I could just because I, I loved being around them and being around the coaches. Um, and then my senior year, I actually graduated a semester early. So I actually didn't do any sports my senior year. Oh, um, wow. Good for you. And then my, yeah, that, yeah, thank you. And then that last semester um, was actually kind of my first chance to do some team trend conditioning. Um, so I actually, helped out the men's basketball team there with their preseason training. And that was kind of my first opportunity to train a team in a team setting like that. Was that a little weird for you because you had been teammates with some of those guys? Um, It was very weird, um, but I I give a lot of props to our coaching staff there as well as just the teammates I had. Um, the, The team that was there was fantastic. Like I still talk with a lot of those guys to this day. And um, they were really excited because up to that point at Ottawa, we had never had a strength coach before. So it was usually just the basketball coaches writing the, the material for our preseason. So for them to have somebody come in and had even a little bit of knowledge on what to do, um, 
a lot of the team was really excited and they knew me. So um, it went pretty well, to be honest, oh, good. Uh, looking back on it, looking back on it and reflecting on it, I'm like still kind of in awe that it went as well as it did. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, sometimes that can be dicey, right? When you're, you know, a peer of someone and then you're now kind of a coach in a sense, that's a different dynamic. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just how you approach it. And I think in that certain situation, it was more of a like, come on, bro. Like, let's, let's get through this. Like, yeah, we're going to get better today. It was more of that approach and it went really, really well. Um, you know, obviously I was 20 and I didn't really know what I was doing that much, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was also just a really awesome experience. Like I still look back on, I still have the paper programs that I gave the team for that preseason and, um, it's just incredible, like how far things have come since then. And that was only, you know, five years ago. Yeah. Wow. A lot changes in five years. Yeah. So now when you were playing those two sports, I'm interested to know this. How did the coaches handle it? Because you said your scholarship was for track. So I could see some track coaches being like, well, why are you going to basketball practice right now? Right. And did the mm -hmm. basketball coach kind of ever get annoyed when you had to go to track practice? Like, how did that dynamic work out? No, I think it worked really well. Um, both of my head coaches for track and field and basketball had been there for a long time. Um, so my basketball coach uh, was there for about 25 years. And then my track coach was there for, I think, 22 years. And they're both still at the university. They just don't coach anymore. Um, so they were good friends. They understood. And um, yeah, there was times where it was like, hey, Caleb, we need you to be here for this. Um, and it was always just a good understanding of kind of, you know, how we wanted to handle it and what certain particular things I needed to be at. Um, a good, a good reference was like when cause we had the biggest overlap with indoor track and field and basketball. Um, so that was one where we just kind of had to talk it through between me and the track coaches of, you know, I, I want to be able to compete in basketball and I want to give my all in outdoor track. So indoor, you know, I'll train during that time but everything was focused on getting me prepared for the conference meet. So I didn't, I, my sophomore year, I actually didn't race in any indoor meets except for a conference. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And it's good. Yeah. It seems like, you know, the coaches were, didn't have too much an ego about it and worked together with it. No, no, they didn't at all. And they were, you know, I think they were just really happy to have me around. Um, you know, they, they always claimed that I was just a good leader and, um, I always, whenever I was at practices or meets or games, I always just pushed everybody to be a little bit better. So, um, anytime they could get me to anything, they would try, but they also understood that I was, I wasn't off doing, you know, stupid things. I was, mm -hmm. I was, you know, working with the, working with the opposite team or whatever it may be. So yeah, yeah no, it, it really worked out well. We really had no conflicts and, um, you know, I still talk with both of my coaches, you know, every once in a while and they're both fantastic human beings. That's great. That's cool that you still have a relationship with them both. Yeah, for sure. It, it also helps too um, that my brother goes to school there now. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of became a family thing. My sister went there, then I went there, and now my brother goes there. So I get to go back and visit them every once in a while. And um, sometimes I'll just shoot them a text and, you know, see how they're doing. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where now that I'm at North Carolina, um, coming from that really small school in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, um, a lot of people want to stay connected and, um, you know, I try to do anything I can to kind of give back to that university that gave so much to me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love when alumni still really support their schools. Yeah.
And before we move on and talk about your career thus far in strength and conditioning, tell me about some of the highlights you had with the basketball team and also with the track team. Oh, wow. Um, Well, uh, again, I wasn't the most athletic person out there. Um, I just tried to work my butt off. And, um, you know, I didn't have too many highlights uh, in basketball. Um, I mostly played on the JV team. it was a really, really cool experience. I think I think my biggest highlight was just the jump I made from my freshman year and my sophomore year. Um, my freshman year, I really didn't play like any minutes, like maybe five to ten minutes a game. And then my sophomore year, I um, ended up playing like between 20 to 30 minutes a game, and I played a lot more, even though we actually had a bigger roster that year. Um, so that was kind of my highlight for basketball was just, you know, personally just my body feeling much better and just being way more involved and you know, getting more respect from my teammates and the coaches than I did my freshman year. In track and field, I would say pretty much the same thing. Um, you know, just, just the improvements I was able to make going into my sophomore year. Um, and then going into my junior year, just focusing on track and field. Um, that's kind of when I made my biggest improvements in my race times and um, really taking on a pretty large leadership role. Um, at the time, we had a pretty small roster for track and field. Um, so a lot of people looked up to me and um, it was pretty cool to like be in a role like that, even though I wasn't our best athlete or our best runner. Um, so I would love to say like, I won a bunch of medals and stuff, but I, I really didn't. Um, I think it was my junior year. I, um, the KCAC, the conference we were in would always give out a champion to character award, which was chosen by our head coaches. Um, so I actually won that award twice and, um, it's pretty cool. Like it's it's one of those things where just our head coach chooses it for the school. Um, so it, it was it was really an honor to know that my head coach viewed me in that manner like multiple times. Um, yeah. So I really appreciated that. And to be honest, those were the only medals I ever won, and they weren't race related, so or running related. Maybe those so, are more important, um, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I actually still have them hanging up in my room at home. So um, you know, it just goes to show like. For me, it's, it's nice to see them every time I go back home to my parents to know that, like, you know, I made some type of impact, whether it be on my teammates or on my head coach, um, that even he still texts me or calls me without me initiating. Um, so, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, and you clearly have leadership qualities, and not always the best runner is the best leader on the team, but that's really cool. You have a lot to be proud of in your career there. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Of course. So now okay, you mentioned that you graduated a semester early. You stayed on to be a trainer with the basketball team. You actually stay on for what, about a year with Ottawa? Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of interesting. Like it was, um, probably 2016 through 2018 was kind of that weird time where I was doing a lot of work unpaid or very little pay. Um, which unfortunately right now is just kind of the starting spot for a lot of strength and conditioning coaches is doing lots of internships and doing a lot of part-time stuff. Um, so I actually, once I graduated, um, I wasn't working there, um, for a little bit, but then when I did graduate, they actually hired their first full-time strength coach. Um, uh, his name is Dylan Adams. He's still there to this day and he's one of my best friends. Um, so when he got hired, I called him and I, you know, I just said like, you know, this is an area I'm interested in getting started in, started in. And, um, 
up to that point, you know, I helped train the basketball team a little bit. I was doing a little bit of stuff in the private sector, working with like elementary school and middle school kids. Um, so he was like, yeah, of course, come help out. Um, so it was just me and him and 27 sports. And he really just threw me into the fire. And I, I am honored that he did that for me at the time. It was really hard, but looking back on it, I'm like, I'm so glad I got that experience. Um, you know, I showed up day one in January of 2018 and he said, all right, what do you know? So I explained to him some of my knowledge, which wasn't much. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you men's basketball, um, both soccers, both wrestling teams, both, uh, lacrosse teams and track and field. Okay, go. And that's kind of how I got started. And it was an awesome experience. It was really hard at the time because I didn't know much. Um, but he really helped mentor me and he taught me a lot about just the art of coaching and the art of programming on a mass scale when it's only two of us and we have 500 athletes. Um, and it was really, really cool to, um, to just kind of be in that space in a different capacity than I had been the prior four years. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up staying there. And then, you know, after that, that's when, and we could talk about this, but that's how I kind of made the jump into uh, working at Kansas after that. Gotcha. So eight sports at one time, that just seems overwhelming to me. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, it was definitely your stereo, I call it our stereotypical like strength coach schedule where, you know, we would show up at 5.15 in the morning, get everything set up. And then it was just every hour on the hour, we had one to two teams in there all day long until you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite the experience. Like anytime we could, we would go sit down. Um, coach Adams had a couch in his office. We'd go sit down and take a quick 10 minute power nap if we needed to. And it would be right back to it. And I'm sure with the eight different teams, you know, every sport is different. You're moving different parts of your body. So I'm sure your strength and conditioning regimens were different for each sport, right? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, kind of like I, like I mentioned before with having so many teams and so few of coaches, we kind of had to take the approach of how can we program for all these teams and get them what they need without spreading ourselves so thin with so many different programs. So what we ended up doing is we kind of took the approach of, um, grouping certain teams together that had similar needs and then, programming for those groups and then making small changes with that program to make it fit that team. So for instance, like we would put football and men's lacrosse together because they're both contact sports and you need to have a little bit of muscle on your body, but you also need to be fast and you need to be able to cut. Um, so we kind of like would group some of those teams together and then just take that, that same program and make small changes to it and adjustments. Um, and that worked really, really well for us that we weren't just, um, you know, bent over a computer all day trying to write 27 different programs. Um, in that type of situation, it worked great. And we were able to all be on the same page. And if, if at any point I needed to step in and run one of Coach Adams' teams, I could do it because we were working off similar programs. Um, so it worked see. really well. Okay, wow. That makes sense. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, right now where you're at at UNC, it's obviously a very different school, right? But you are only with the women's basketball team, which means you travel with the team, you're on the bench. 
I imagine you couldn't really be on the bench for all eight teams, right? Did were you ever on the bench with them? Um, no, not at all. Um, the only time that we would ever travel with the team was with football. Um, so again, it was just me and Coach Adams for the first part. Um, we ended up hiring a GA not long after. Um, so we would travel for some of the football games um, if they needed us for something specific. Um, but other teams, um, again, you know, up to that point, they had never had a straight coach before, so they didn't really know any better. And, you know, we would just help them write the warm-ups um, and then just show them how to run them, and then we'd let the coaches handle it. Um, again, we were just so short-staffed in that situation. So, yeah, we never really traveled with anybody. Okay. All right. So now you, it's 2019, and you go to the University of Kansas, which, I mean, so different, right? You go from an NAIA school to a Power 5 conference school. I mean, just the amenities, everything must have been so different. Yeah, so, um, you know, Kansas was a place that was, it was really special to me. I really liked it. Um, My wife, she went to school there, so um, it always kind of had a special place in my heart. And once I graduated from Ottawa and started working, I actually decided to get my master's from there. Um, prior to doing my master's, I was always interested in working at Kansas in the sports performance department because um, Andrea Hoody was the director of the Olympic weight room. And she is like one of the most awesome people I've ever met in my life. She's one of my mentors. She's one of my best friends. Um, so I was always emailing uh, either her or other people in the department trying to get an internship. And unfortunately, I just kept getting notes over and over again. Um, and eventually, I was able to get into the master's program at Kansas. And that was kind of where I was able to kind of sneak my way in. Because then I had my academic advisor who was good friends with the sports performance department, and they did a lot of stuff together. He was able to vouch for me and kind of get me in there. And that's kind of when I made the move to uh, that internship level at Kansas. And, um, I was really lucky. I, you know, I, it it was partially hard work and partially just luck that I was able to intern there over the summer of 2018. And then I actually left for a little bit to go back to Ottawa. Um, and then coach Hootie actually called me and they had a fellowship position open up. So I was able to come back. I was lucky enough to come back and work in that fellowship role. And then, um, they actually were approved for a new full-time role right as my fellowship role was ending. So I was able to jump into a full-time role. And then not long after my full-time role started, women's basketball job opened up and I had already helped them out a lot in my year and a half so far that I was there. And then I was able to jump right into women's basketball. So, um, yeah, part of it was luck and part of it was just like, you know, really just doing the best work I possibly could day in and day out. So I, you know, garnered the respect of my colleagues as well as the sport coaches that I worked with and were around. And, um, you know, it became, it got to the point where a lot of decisions were really easy to make um, for me and for the sports performance department as a whole. So um, it was really a whirlwind, uh, you know, year and a half, two years where um, things were constantly changing, but they were changing for the better. And, um, you know, I, I was, again, I was really lucky to be where I'm at now. Um, where I was out of Kansas because I'm only 26 years old and I know a lot of people that are 26 years old and are still doing unpaid internships. Um, wow, yeah. So any, anytime I can to try to help those people out and try to get them in the right direction, I, you know, I try. Um, but again, for me, it was just, it was honestly just meeting the right people at the right time and 
um, really just working as hard as I possibly could and doing all the right things. So I'm really lucky and blessed. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I agree with you. Every job that you get is part hard work. A lot of it is hard work, but there's always going to be a little bit of luck that comes into play. And right, it sounds like you were right place, right time. Um, but wow, that's crazy. It just seems like this profession is such a grind for the first bunch of years. Yeah, and, and strength and conditioning has grown a lot in the last 10 to 15 years, but it still has so much more room to grow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of... Um, jobs that get posted that are just so underpaid or not paid at all. Um, that would be really a bad look for any other profession, but for some reason at this point in time, it's okay for strength and conditioning to be like that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people pushing for, you know, better pay and, um, better opportunities. So it's just going to take time just like most things do. Um, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, strength and conditioning is still a pretty young profession. Um, you know, it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that the NCAA required that your strength coach be certified. Um, oh, wow. You know, even know even just that. ten yeah, even just ten years ago, there were strength coaches out there that were uncertified. Like they had no formal education in strength and conditioning. Um, so even that was a huge step. And now some of the um, some of the organizations that do those certifications are are have, are moving towards more. Um, more stringent requirements to get the certification as well. So, um, you know, it used to be where you didn't have to have one. And if you did have one, it was actually pretty easy to get. So it's definitely moving in the right direction. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Wow. I didn't realize that. That is very interesting, but you're right. It is still a young profession. It's still growing. And yeah, hopefully mm-hmm. we'll see the pay rates rise a bit to what is actually should be happening and should be earned. Yeah, for sure. There's, and there's tons of coaches out there that are doing all the right things and really pushing for, you know, higher pay and more responsibility and all those things within their own departments, which is helping the profession, you know, not only in the U.S., but just worldwide grow. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really cool to see what some coaches are doing and how they're growing their role at their respective university and then sharing that with other universities so that, you know, we can continue to push the industry forward. Definitely. After your fellowship, when you were able to get the job with women's basketball, from that point on, you were strictly basketball, right? You were mostly women and then helped the men out sometimes? Yeah, it was actually, um, so the year I was women's basketball, I actually did softball as well. Um, and then I was the first assistant. Yeah, and then I was the first assistant for men's basketball. Um, at that time, uh, Andrea Hootie had left um, to move on to a role with Texas men's basketball. Um, so at that point I was working with Ramsey Nijum, who is still at Kansas. They just won a national championship this year. Um, and he's an incredible human being as well. So, um, yeah, I've been really lucky with some of the mentors I've had along the way who are just really well, well-known, well-renowned strength coaches, wherever they've been. Um, but yeah, when I was there with women's basketball, I also did softball as well, which was an awesome experience. Okay. Now, did you travel with the basketball team and then also with the softball team? Um, yeah, so I traveled with the basketball team just like I do here at UNC. So anytime we were on the road, um, I'd be with them. Anytime we practiced, I'd be there helping them out in any way I could, um, whether that's you know working with an injured athlete off to the side or whatever it may be. Um, unfortunately, uh, with softball, that was in 2020. So once the season was getting started was when everything got shut down. So oh, um, I was – 
Yeah, so I was at like some of their home games in the in the early like in February and stuff whenever I could be. Uh, but before they even had a chance to travel anywhere, um, everything got shut down. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, it was it was really tough. Um, I think you know for most teams around the U.S., you know a lot of people had high hopes for their seasons and were really excited, and just to have it shut down before it even really got going was really hard and. Even with basketball, we were actually at our conference tournament getting ready to play our first game when everything got canceled. So um, we weren't even at home. We were in Kansas City getting ready to play a game. So um, it was definitely a really tough year. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people have talked about their COVID experiences. And, um, yeah, that was that was mine was, you know, I was stuck in a hotel room in Kansas City <laughs> and then found out everything got canceled and had to go home and grab what I could out of the office real quick. And the rest was history. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an awful time, especially for athletes. I'm sure you were there right when all these kids were learning that their seasons were canceled. So that that had to be a hard Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. And, you know, for me, just trying to make sure I was doing everything I could to help them out because, you know, strength coach is generally very hands on. Like I, I, you know, at most places, a strength coach, um, their role is exclusively in the weight room. So if you aren't going to the weight room, you're not seeing your strength coach. So um, my goal early on during COVID was to kind of close that gap and make it different. Um, so as soon as it happened, you know, I gave everybody a week or two to kind of get settled in and kind of, you know, reflect and decide, you know, what was going on. It was, it was a lot to process for a lot of people. So um, after that, I actually gave every single one of my athletes a call and we just talked and, you know, let them know that I was, here to support them and help them in any way I could. And, you know, I'm not just the guy just to send programs for you to do at home. Um, like I'll do that obviously, but you know, I want to be more than that. I want to be helpful any way I can. So, um, that was a big learning experience and it, it definitely helped me with, um, learning how to build relationships, um, and be more than a strength coach. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's one thing that's really set me apart, um, was, realizing that it's not just about the weight room numbers and it's not just about how much you can squat. It's, it's way more than that. Yeah, absolutely. That is great that you were there for the kids because that must have been such a crazy time for college students, you know, having to be away from school, having to take classes online. You know, a big part of college, as you know, is being around other people. And it was a bummer for them, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And I know, you know, you just said it wasn't about the weight room, but I am going to ask one question about that weight room and how you would <laughs> how you would write the pl- lesson plans for them, because I'm sure a lot of kids didn't really have access to the weights needed to do that. Right. So did you have to did you find yourself having to really like revise your plans and do more just like body work with what you had in a house, if that makes sense? Um, yeah, you know, I. I always started with a certain program just based on what we wanted to try to accomplish as a team. But then from there, based on the conversations I would have with the athletes, try to figure out like what equipment do you have? Um, you know, how are you just doing health wise? Um, you know, I'll try to individualize it after that for the most part, you know, again, like this was a tough time for everybody. So for me, I really just tried to make it more fun. So a lot of it was challenge based. Um, you know, are you able to complete, um, a certain amount of reps on something before your teammates. And we would share it in a group chat just to, you know, be connected and be able to talk and, you know, share our accomplishments and, 
you know, be able to compete with each other virtually. Um, because, you know, for most of us, like we didn't know when we were going to be back. Um, yeah. and with both of those sports, um, you know, with women's basketball being a winter sport and then softball being a spring sport, I wasn't, I wasn't really in a rush to do any very specific training with them because, mm-hmm. because again, we didn't know when we were going to be back and, you know, there was talks of, you know, June, you know, it started with, it's all, oh, we're going to be out for two weeks. And then it became a month and then it became two months. And then it was, we actually didn't get back until, um, I think it was July and then softball didn't come back until the fall when classes started. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely took a different approach of like, okay, I know we have training goals, but like everyone's at home, everyone has different training equipment and, um, you know, accessibility to things. So, um, you know, we did the best we could with body weight and we also put together care packages for all of our athletes. Um, we worked with a company that was able to send everybody like some bands and some stretch uh, ropes and things like that to kind of help oh, us awesome. with the programming. So, yeah, that was really awesome. Um, so, yeah, we did what we could. Okay. Okay. Very cool. You have to get creative in a sense. Yeah, it was definitely the most creative programming I've ever done. Um <laughs> I definitely learned a lot because, you know, you go from, um, you know, we were really blessed at Kansas. We had one of the nicest weight rooms in the nation. You know, it's like 22,000 square feet and it has 20 racks and like every piece of equipment you can imagine. So going from that to nothing, <laughs> essentially nothing, you know, it took a lot of creativity with our programming. We, we worked together as a staff um, to kind of figure out like, you know, what can we do when people don't have equipment that gives us a training stimulus that we think works for the, these specific athletes? Um, you know, we did a lot of research and a lot of reading of just different material about body weight training. Cause you know, for us, we didn't really have to worry about that because we had all the equipment we needed. So there's actually a lot of stuff that I did then that I still use today, just because I realized that it's a great tool to keep in our toolbox for, mm-hmm. you know, certain instances. And, you know, there's some of that body weight stuff that, I had them doing at home that I still do with our athletes in our weight room today. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, it was, it was a really awesome and, you know, I shouldn't say it was an awesome experience, but there was a lot that we took from it. So, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. That is cool that you're able to use those tools, go tools going forward. Yeah. So now tell me, how did the job with UNC come to be? Yeah, um, it was uh, it was kind of a whirlwind, a whirlwind experience. Um, you know, we uh, we had just gotten back um, to work at Kansas, and um, we had been back for maybe about a month and a half. And um, my mentor Andrea Hootie, who was at Texas at the time, she uh, gave me a call and asked me if if it was a position I'd be interested in, and that she had heard about it, and. Um, you know, it, it's, it's North Carolina, it's the Tar Heels. Um, it sounded like an awesome potential opportunity. Um, again, like, you know, Kansas always holds a special place in my heart and I loved it there and I loved all the people I worked with. Um, and, you know, I decided to give Coach Fanghart a call and we talked on the phone for 30 minutes that night. And almost from the get-go, I just knew it was going to be an incredible opportunity. And um, I think Coach Fanghart and I really hit it off um, immediately on that first phone call. And even she tells me to this day that after that phone call and then after our zoom interview, like she knew it was meant to be. So yeah, it was one of those opportunities again, like, you know, I walked into an interview where 
you're talking about one of the most prestigious basketball universities in the U.S. And, you know, obviously I interviewed just like I would interview for anything else, um, you know, with my everything prepared and doing my best and, um, you know, just worked out for me. And, um, you know, Coach Banghart and I are really, we really, really work well together. So. Yeah, seems like it just based off the record this year. But had you known about Courtney Banghart prior to the interview? Um, I knew about a little bit about her time at Princeton. Um, obviously, at Princeton, she was very successful. She had a lot of Ivy League titles. Um, she had an undefeated season. That was about the extent I knew about her. Um, once I interviewed, you know, obviously, I did my research and I learned a lot more. And, you know, I, you know, all that stuff is, is great and knowing about all of her accolades and all that. But you know, it's, it's definitely way more than just the accolades and all the things she's done from a coaching standpoint, because she's just an amazing human being too. So, um, you know, she really cares about like the family atmosphere and taking care of everybody and getting us what, what we need. But at the same time, like, you know, she wants to win and she's very competitive. So, um, we kind of have that healthy balance between, you know, we all feel pressure to do our jobs at a really high level, but at the same time, like, you know, we all have families and we have other things going on and she's understanding of that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. She's the coach I'm always going to root for. I really like what she did at Princeton. I like what she's doing so far at UNC. I think you guys are only going to get better. We'll get mm-hmm. into it, but quick question. You know, you mentioned that you're married and your wife was from Kansas. So was that, you know, trying to get her to North Carolina, was that an issue or was she on board right away? Yeah, you know, obviously throughout the process, I told her that it was a possibility. And then, um, you know, one day I was on my ride home uh, from work and that's when Coach Bankart called me and offered me the job. And, you know, I walked in the door and I said, you know, she just offered me the job. And literally my wife's response was, okay, when are we leaving? Oh, um, that's awesome. You know, she's, she's always been a huge, um, you know, cheerleader and challenger for me. Um, so we always knew that, you know, training conditions and athletics is one of those fields where in a split second, you might have to pick up and move. Um, and she understands that and she's on board with that. And um, yeah, she's, she's been fantastic. So, you know, we basically picked up and moved out, uh, moved out to North Carolina in just like a couple of days. Doesn't hurt that Chapel Hill is a beautiful area to live in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Going from, the cold winters of Kansas to North Carolina <laughs> has been pretty cool. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And now this is the first time in your career that you're just solely with one sport, right? Correct. One team, I should say, not even just one sport, one team. Mm-hmm. So you guys, I mean, you guys have been awesome. You've made it to the NCAA tournament both years that you've been there. I think, uh, you know, you guys are only going to get better. You guys have recruited really well, but tell me, what does a typical day look like for you during the season? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so um, a typical day, um, there's usually a lot of training involved. So so one thing that we've really pushed for and has been really successful from our end is um, we're a little bit what I would consider atypical when it comes to how we train. Um, most places usually train two, once or twice a week in season. Um, any day that we're at home practicing, we, we train and lift. We will train anywhere from three to five days a week. So for me, in season, only having one team, and we also have our own weight room that we don't share with anybody, 
um, I'm able to do a lot of training throughout the day that kind of goes around people's class schedules and practice schedules. So um, if anyone needs to get extra training in besides what we do as a team, um, I can get them in throughout the day. So um, for me, typically, like, you know, we'll usually start the day with some type of meeting just to kind of go over practice or um, just anything involving the program, things we need to keep in mind with scheduling. And then um, from that, basically, I'm just training athletes most of the day. Um, and then once we do, um, we'll always train right before practice as well as a team. So, you know, it's just a quick 20-minute training session just to, you know, hit our major stuff, get them warmed up, and then we go right to the court and practice. Um, during practice, um, I'm usually pretty busy during that time as well. I'm either working with injured athletes, um, doing some rehab stuff. Um, we also do a lot of player load monitoring as well. Um, so I'll also be doing that during practice as well, working on the computer. Um, each athlete will wear a little tracker in their shorts that tracks how much distance they run and how many, how many jumps they get. Um, so we'll have to like tag drills and things like that. So, um, I stay pretty busy during the season. <laughs> Sounds like it. Wow. And then you're obviously traveling with the team and ACC women's basketball. I think this year they were the best conference. I mean, they got a bunch of teams into the NCAA tournament. So you got you were watching some good games. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, every in the ACC, every night's a dogfight. And it doesn't matter if you're playing the first team or the 15th team. Like you got to watch out because everyone's going to play really hard and everyone's talented. So um it's definitely one of those leagues where from top to bottom, like you're going to be fighting it out every night and you could lose to the worst team on any night and you could beat the best team on any night. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I, I mean, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think the ACC is definitely the best league um, top to bottom. Definitely. And with what's been going on in the transfer portal, I think they're also going to be the best league next year as well. <laughs> yeah, the transfer portal is an interesting um, – <laughs> area that we haven't had to deal with in the past but you know it's real and it's it definitely affects you know year to year each conference it makes way bigger changes than it did without it so um you know it's something we're always keeping in mind when we're um going into the off season and and things like that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely now what about a day in the off season like now as we're recording it's may what mm-hmm. Like, what does a day look like for you? Because the kids are still in school. I think, I don't think the semester has ended yet, but like, what do you do just on a typical day? Yeah. So in the off season, um, we generally will train pretty much exclusively as a team. We might do split groups, but the split groups would be back to back. So, um, you know, for me and for our coaches, the off season is kind of our time to wind down a little bit. Um, so this is kind of my opportunity to like do some work from home, but at the same time, like, you know, I try to get in and um, anytime I can, you know, touch base with the coaching staff, when, if they're around or, you know, if they're out recruiting. Um, so it's, it's a little bit slower nowadays. Um, but for us currently, um, we are kind of in a voluntary period. So a lot of a lot of the players are at home and they're doing all their training remotely. Um, so I, right now I'm just training like, you know, three to four girls that are still around. Um, and the rest of my time I kind of use to do, you know, personal stuff or, you know, do some continued education to try to get prepared for the summer when we, so we can hit the ground running um, come June when we start, when we get together again as a team. Um, so this is kind of like, it's like my wind down time, but it's also like my prep time to really get ready for a really strong summer, knowing that 
you know, we're coming back, we're coming back healthy and we can get a lot of really good training in the summer to prepare for the fall. I think for us as a team and as a program, kind of like you had mentioned, we're definitely really excited for what's to come and we know that we need to work really hard to get there. Um, but we're definitely an up and coming team that, um, I think are on a lot of people's radars. So we're up for the challenge and we're all really excited to just get back to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And summer is huge for you. I mean, you're the guy in the summer, right? Because the kids are back for summer session. They're not really practicing with the coaches. They're kind of doing their basketball thing on their own. But the weight room is key in the summer. So that is your time to shine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, it's one of those fun times, too, for me, where um, we'll set up an eight-week training block, and we can just do it from start to finish, you know? Um there's not as many modifications that have to happen on the fly like we do in season. Um, and, you know, I, I love all of it. You know, it's why I got into it. So, you know, the off season's fun because you can really be strategic and program it out every week and um, have an end goal in mind. Whereas in season, like it's also fun because you kind of have to make decisions on the fly and, um, you know, we'll change our training day to day just based on how the prior day went and how the games are going and all that. So, um, they're both very different in how we do the programming, but they're both really fun in my opinion. So like, I enjoy all of it. It was a great season. You guys made the sweet 16, unfortunately ran into the eventual national champ, but 2023, I'm big season for you guys. I have a great feeling. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. I think again, like we're definitely on the upslope and a lot of teams are looking at us as a team that could really break out and, we feel that way too, um, but you know we're not we're not um, we're not complacent with it. We're always pushing and finding new ways to push each other and challenge each other to constantly be better because we know that's what's going to take. So, yeah, no, we're all really excited for what's to come. Nice. I miss basketball season already. Once college basketball oh, yeah. season ends, it's just like eh, I just I agree. Until October. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> My last question, Caleb, before we end and get to some fun stuff. You are employed by North Carolina. Your wife went to Kansas. You're from Kansas. The men's national championship game. Who were you rooting for? <laughs> um, I almost want to say no comment, but um, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's a cool story. So, like, here I don't really work with the men's team. Um, but, you know, obviously the men's team is huge um, just nationally. Um, so going into it, you know, it was hard to root um, against either team um, just because I, I felt like I had emotional ties to both. Obviously, I had a huge emotional tie to the men's team in Kansas because I worked with them a little bit. Um, but then I found myself once the game started, just every time the basketball went through the hoop on either end, I was like cheering. So <laughs> I was just like, I was, I, I kind of joke around now. I'm like, I was like the grandma watching like the little kids play and just like, Oh, I just hope everyone has fun and no one gets hurt. So, um, no, it was, it was really, it was really awesome to see both those teams play. And, um, you know, some of those guys at Kansas, I worked with for two years, like just seeing them, you know, in that moment being the best team in the nation was really awesome to see. Um, and then on the flip side, seeing a lot of our guys here at UNC choosing to come back, um, for their fifth seasons was also really cool. Yeah, yeah, I feel like UNC's got to be the favorite going into next season. But that's good. You really you couldn't have been disappointed either way. No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Caleb, I have loved our conversation. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Yeah, let's do it. 
Alright, so you mentioned this time of year is a little bit of, a, of your slower period. So when you're relaxing, what TV show are you watching? Ooh. Um, so we're really big into Ozarks right now. Um, we're about to finish that up. Um, I'm sad that that show's ending. That's a really good one. Um, I'm also like really into bladesmithing now. So Forged and Fire is a really cool show. Um, I highly recommend if you're just kind of into like, um, like week to week, like game show type thing. Um, so that's been one I've been really into. Um, but I kind of bounce around a lot. Like I, I, I'll start watching a show and then I'll get bored and move on to something else. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would say those are probably the two big ones that I've been doing this year. Okay. All right. Yeah. Ozark's on my list. I have not watched it yet. I know it's great. Everyone loves it. It's on my list. I promise. It, yeah, it's great. Um, it's, you know, it's a little dark, but it's definitely a good show. I think that's why I'm kind of waiting because it is dark. <laughs> But yeah. I'll get to it. <laughs> All right. Next question. Where did you go on your honeymoon? Oh, so we went to um, Riviera Maya, Mexico. Um, we went to an all-inclusive and it was awesome. Um, that was my, that was actually my first time ever leaving the country. So um, it was quite the experience um, getting there. But once we got there, it was awesome. Um, we had a great time. Uh, so highly recommend if anyone's looking to get out of the country. Very cool. And you guys are high school sweethearts, right? Yes, we are. Yeah, we are. Um, so, yeah, we got married last year and uh, we were together for 10 years prior. So wow. uh, most of our lives we spent together. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's been awesome. <laughs> Nice. My boyfriend, he actually went to my high school. We did not date then. Probably for the best. Mm -hmm. We probably would have killed each other by now. So it worked <laughs> out. We met later in life. <laughs> All right, Caleb, last question. What is a hidden talent that you have? Oh, man. Um, hidden talent. Um, I would say that... Usually one I break out and it's not that special, but I can juggle. Um, oh, wow. I, I do practice sometimes, not very often. I try to like learn new moves of juggling. Um, but that's usually one that like I kind of revert to. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I don't have very many hidden things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a cool one though. I could not juggle at all. Even with just two, I somehow can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to not be able to, and then I actually had a class when I was an undergrad where we had to learn how to for our final. So oh that's God. how I learned how. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was, that's a lot of pressure. It was a, very, it was a lot of pressure. We had to do it up in front of the class on the last day of class, um, and we had to do it with a tennis ball, a softball, and an egg. Oh, my God. No way. Yeah. And I'm assuming you had to do it for a certain amount of time, right? Yeah, I think it was three rotations. So you had to have the egg go from right to left, back to right three times. Um, oh, man. Yeah, but we, like, it was one of those things where our professor told us on day one, okay, your final is going to be, you have to juggle in front of the class. So <laughs> you're expected to learn how to. And he didn't tell us that we were going to have to do it with three different objects, but we adapted and we made it work. Wow, that's insane. But at least he gave you the whole semester. <sighs> Yes, yeah, definitely, because it definitely took me that long to learn. 
Caleb, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I've really loved our conversation. I find it so interesting. I probably asked some dumb questions out of my own ignorance to it, but I just think <laughs> the strength and conditioning aspect in college athletics is so interesting. So I really appreciate your input and learning all about your college background, playing two sports yourself. You're, you're amazing. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, this was great. And I, I definitely loved our conversation. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Caleb Kruger. I hope you enjoyed it. It was really interesting hearing about his athletic career, playing two sports in college, and how that led him to get into strength and conditioning. He's clearly a very hard worker, and he's in a great spot right now at UNC. I think their program is going to be great for years to come. Really excited to see what him and the Tar Heels are going to do in 2023. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.